Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. There's an L.A. Times story that is really A trip down memory lane and worthy of your attention. It begins this way. It was never a question of whether they killed their parents. Lyle and Eric Menendez bought two shotguns with cash. The next day, the brothers drove to a shooting range. The following night, they murdered Jose and Mary Louise Kitty Menendez as the couple ate ice cream and watched a movie in their Beverly Hills mansion. No, 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 Jose Melendez, their 45-year-old father, yelled as shotgun blasts echoed in the family's living room. August 20, 1989, the brothers would later tell a therapist he was struck five times, including in the back of the head. Their 47-year-old mother, wounded, crawled on the ground as the brothers reloaded before administering a fatal final blast. The brutality of the crime led many, including law enforcement, to speculate whether the killings were a mob hit. The answer that prosecutors offered relative to motive was simple, money. But the story is under the headline, New Evidence May Back the Menendez Brothers' Sexual Abuse Claims. It might even free them. Mark Garagos is the famed L.A.-based criminal defense attorney. By the way, what warrants me saying that he is the famed criminal defense attorney? If you represent Susan McDougall, and you win back-to-back state and federal court acquittals. If you represent uh, former first brother Roger Clinton, Congressman Gary Condit, Nicole Ritchie, Chris Brown, Nate Dogg, Diddy Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, etc., etc., then you get that label and moniker. Hey, Mark, great to have you back on the program. I hope you're well. Uh, tell me about your involvement with the Menendez brothers. I remember Leslie Abramson back in the trial stage. So do I. I remember I remember the case well, kind of lived through trials number one and two. The trial number one, interestingly, had two juries and they were allowed the they being the brothers to present what's called an imperfect self-defense, which centered on the abuse and the jurors in that first trial, both separate juries, each brother had a jury, uh, came back and found that it was not, the majority found it was not murder, that it was manslaughter, and they were hung. What happened in the interim between trial number one and trial number two is, as you will remember, the O.J. Simpson case. And that then 
caused kind of a furor in the L.A. court system and obviously nationally. And so trial number two, the judge, same judge, decided he was not going to allow any of the abuse into trial number two and was not going to allow imperfect self-defense, which is bad enough. But then the DA in the case who was trying it argued in closing that it was an abuse excuse. And so they really got jobbed, if you will. And I think it's worth noting because people often say this, well, uh, what would happen now or what, what would be the result now? I've always uh, said, and one of the reasons that uh, I'm hopeful this time around, is that if they were the Menendez sisters, they mm. wouldn't be in prison. What is an imperfect self-defense? What does that mean? Uh, basically, it's the legal equivalent of that uh, for them it would have been the uh, legal theory of kind of a battered uh, woman. So we, we understand that now, um, and we were just understanding it in the 90s, but I think it was incomprehensible to a lot of people that this could happen between a father and sons. Imperfect I mean, self-defense is that it's not objectively reasonable. There was not an immediate threat uh, of abuse when the killings took place, right? In other words, from the defense Correct. perspective, is that they were continually, uh, both of them were abused, and and finally they, they'd had enough and they snapped. Correct. And one of the things that I think is very um, uh, probably compelling uh, when you read it is the letter that was discovered that Eric had written eight months before the killings and he wrote it to his cousin and it's a very it's heartfelt compelling and describes the abuse and it's just awful so is this the new the quote-unquote new evidence that the LA Times is talking about correct that was part of the the writ of habeas corpus which is the the vehicle, legal vehicle that we're using, um, had points to this letter, which was written to his cousin, which was discovered, his cousin has passed away, it was discovered a number of years ago uh, in the effects that had been stored by his cousin's mom, and who actually is um, the uh, father's uh, sister, her name is Marta, and interestingly also, Michael, you have the support uh, in this case, of both Jose's sister and Kitty's sister. Both of them are supportive of the brothers and want to see them out. Is it because they believe that Jose was molesting the kids, or they just think that, that the boys have served enough time? I say boys, they're in their no, 50s think, now. Yeah, I think that yeah, the, I, I make that same uh, kind of leap as well and call them the boys, even though they're in their 50s. The I think both sisters, I don't want to speak for them, but they have, they have both said that they believe that the, what happened and the, what was described in terms of the abuse. You know, there was a rule in the house that was testified to in the first trial that you did not go down the hall if Jose was in the room with Eric. And that, to me, is, uh, is you know, a disgusting kind of a uh, thought to have or a rule to institute in a house. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. 
Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Mark, so in a best case scenario from your perspective, from the defense perspective, if all the evidence that you think the jury should have heard in the second trial had come in, they wouldn't have been acquitted, right? They wouldn't have walked out the door. They still killed their parents. So what what would have been the outcome? So what what the argument was in trial number one and and attempted to be in trial number two is that the imperfect self-defense negates malice. In order to have a murder, you've obviously got a killing, but to elevate it from a manslaughter or some other uh, homicide, you have to have the element of malice. The malice is not there. um, And I would argue that it should have been a manslaughter back then. If it was a manslaughter back then, the the maximum time they would have served has long since passed. So they've been behind bars now for nearly three decades, and they are each facing life without the possibility of parole. Correct. They've been in for, I want to say, 33 years. So where does this where does this sit? What kind of a petition or motion have you filed and what's the posture of the case? So we filed in uh, May a uh, the writ of habeas corpus that I mentioned. Just uh, earlier this month, the judge issued an order in which he asked the DA's office to informally reply or respond, and they're taking it very seriously. I um, hats off to them. They they're running down everything that they can. You know, one of my fears 
was that there wasn't institutional memory as to what was going on internally at the DA's office. Um, but it, it's clear that there are people who, who have kind of lived through it, remember what happened, and that's helpful. I'm sure that I knew at the time and paid attention, but I've long since forgotten. I didn't recall there being two separate, meaning two separate juries for each of the boys. Like, how logistically did that play out? What 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 did the courtroom look like? In the courtroom, they had the two juries because of statements that were made by one brother that weren't admissible against the other. And so what they would do is seat the two juries in the courtroom. And then if there was evidence that was going to be presented that one jury could not hear, they would be excused. And that worked for trial number one. The judge also did not do that for trial number two. I see. So in trial number two, there was now a consolidation, one jury and evidence that you think would have benefited the defense of each of them did not come in. Correct. Correct. Evidence that the judge allowed in in trial number one, he excluded in trial number two. And as I just already mentioned, to add uh, insult to injury, he then allowed the DA to argue that they had not, not proven any of the abuse, knowing, obviously, that he had had it excluded. I'll let you go in a minute, but I, I want to say this. It's, it's kind of a throwback. It takes me into the, the Larry King era. And I remember Leslie Abramson being a very articulate, hard-charging, you know, aggressive advocate for these two. Uh, but she's not involved now, I take it. She is not. And I, uh, you know, as I was a young lawyer in Los Angeles in the 80s, um, besides my father, Leslie was one of my, and Johnny Cochran, those were two of the uh, kind of fabled uh, lawyers to look up to and mentor. And Leslie uh, was and is a great human on top of it. Mark, thanks for the briefing on this. I'm, I'm going to follow this case closely now that I know you're more closely now that I know you're involved. Well, and I'm going to ask you how good your memory is. Do you remember who your first guest was in Ardmore, Pennsylvania on this show? I have a uh, a guest book that, that may have to be introduced as evidence. Yes, uh, it, a Plaintiff Exhibit yes. 1 has your name on it. Yes, yes indeed. So I'm, we were, uh, I'm the honored part to you, be back. The, the part that you don't know is that we, we weren't sure the equipment was going to fire that day. <laughs> but it well, did. It certainly it certainly worked ever since. Mark, thank you for that. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius X. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. It's Mark Garagos, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think, TC? I mean, they killed their parents. Okay, they they killed their parents. There's just no doubt about it. Yes. But they maintained then, and Mark thinks he's he's got some some newer evidence now uh, that bolsters the argument that they were subject to abuse. As I recall, one more than the other. And you heard him say, "Don't go down the hall." You know, if I must say the thing that he just said that stood out so much for me is we would not be having this conversation if it was the Menendez sisters. That was an unbelievable line because, boy, does it get you thinking. You're like, what? The father did what? And that's different from – whereas if it were daughters, you would say, okay, they, he deserves to be. It was self-defense. They had to. Uh, Cliff Gardner representing uh, the boys along with Mark Garagos. He says, this undercuts the state's theory. We know the abuse was occurring, and Jose was exactly the type of person who would sexually abuse a 13-year-old mm. boy. Gardner said that he believes the ruling to limit allegations of sexual abuse from the second trial skewed the outcome. At the time, he said, such claims were viewed with deep skepticism. If the trial were held today, the evidence would likely be allowed. Our understanding of sexual abuse and the impact of sexual abuse, especially a lifetime of it involving children, is much different. The allegations would have meant a conviction of the lesser charge of manslaughter, Rather than murder was possible, Gardner said, after 27 years behind bars, it would also mean freedom would be possible. Regardless of how the allegations may be perceived, experts say there are other hurdles with this legal challenge. If the petition moves forward, attorneys will have to show why the letter and Rosello's testimony weren't introduced at trial, said Andrea Roth, a professor of law at UC Berkeley. And then I made reference to Leslie Abramson. Leslie Abramson, the Menendez's former defense attorney, said she doesn't discuss the case anymore. She, other defense lawyers and prosecutors from the second trial, including Gil Garcetti, I forgot this, he was the DA at the time, declined to be interviewed by the Times. And then the Leslie Abramson quote is, I'm still harassed by TV producers, high school kids and nutcases who promised to get the clients out of prison. She said in an email, I have nothing else to say to you. It sounds like she's had her fill of the... Uh, like she's done. She's done with the Menendez. She's but done. she was the one. Like, uh, like or, you know, Larry uh, okay. King Live-ish stuff. Okay, so the, the Menendez sisters, that stood out. And then when he said, or maybe you were the one that said, three decades. Because I, of course, think of them, I picture them as boys, and they're my mm-hmm. age. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, now serving life sentences without the possibility of parole, Lyle and Eric Menendez 
have taken leadership roles at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego. Lyle is 55. Eric is 52. I should give a shout out to who wrote this. I'm heavily relying on it. Salvador Hernandez at the L.A. Times. Regardless of the petition's outcome, others who worked on the docuseries said they believe the public's understanding of the case may change. I remember wondering why these two young men who seemingly had everything would risk it all by killing their parents, said Esther Reyes, the show's director. It didn't seem plausible to me at the time that they would kill out of greed. But what I saw as a spectator was the audience being fed the narrative of greedy rich kids. And slowly that became the narrative. That's certainly true in terms of how I remember if you if 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 before I saw this story you tested my memory of a three-decade-old case and said, you remember the Mendez brothers? Yeah, I remember. They were in, like, the, the lower flats section of Beverly Hills. I know exactly where the, the house was. Why? Well, why'd they do it? Ah, they were greedy. You know, they, they wanted even more toys from their, their wealthy parents. Perhaps I would have been wrong. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.